Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. On today's show, a preview of week 12. You can follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. I do all of this with Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing, bud? Doing good. Yeah, ready to get into week 12 as we're hitting the home stretch of the season. All right, Parks, and uh, we will jump in here. Uh, there are nine 1 o'clock games on Sunday, a 405, a 425 and then the two night games Sunday and Monday. We can start here with the 3-7 Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the 3-7 Atlanta Falcons Parks. Looking at things on the injury front, um, DeMar Dotson for the Buccaneers was a full participant today after not practicing on Wednesday. Um, limited were... William Golston and Carl Nassib and JPP. JPP is with his knee. Uh, Jameis was listed with an ankle, but he was a full participant. Looking at things over for the Falcons, Devonta Freeman doesn't practice again Thursday. Dan Quinn said that Freeman was trending in the right way, but it's hard to imagine we will see him on the field Sunday unless he's able to return to practice tomorrow. Um, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Desmond Trufant are all full participants today, Parks. Um, let's see what this line opened up here. It opened at Falcons minus three. It has been bet up to four, even four and a half in some spots. The total of 54 and a half has been bet down all the way to 51 and 51 and a half in a couple books there. Parks, how do you see this one going? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, that, you know, well, first off, the Falcons coming off of, you know, two straight wins, both divisional wins, the Saints and the Panthers now looking to, you know, potentially win three in a row. That's where you see, you know, they're getting hot off of the bye week off of, you know, they had a players only meeting where I talked about, you know, Julio spoke passionately about, you know, this isn't we're not laying down to die for Dan Quinn. He's, you know, we're going to play it out for him. And then they moved Raheem uh, Morris, the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Now he's the secondary coach and he's calling plays and they're actually splitting up first down and second down uh, plays are being called by some, someone else. And then Morris is calling the third down plays because he can kind of mix it up and he's talking to the secondary and then Dan Quinn's kind of overseeing it all. And it's kind of, at least, you know, through two games it's working, but then you have to look into it and, you know, we're still going to talk about Drew Brees that, you He's not throwing the football more than 10 yards down the field at this point. And, you know, they came off of a bye. They were rusty. And, you know, you look at Kyle Allen and – um, there were still coverage busts, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons. You could talk about, you know, the communication, this and that. There were coverage busts. Kyle Allen is just, you know, slowly starting to fall apart. As you know, probably UDFA was, you know, six or seven starts. You know, that tends to be the way that it goes, you know, as teams start to get a hold of them. So you want to say, okay, the Falcons are starting to put it together. You also want to say, you know, I don't know if they can win three straight divisional games. Um, fortunately, you know, I can't take Jameis. I would lean to take in the Bucks, but it seems like every week I lean to take in the Bucks, and they always find a way to, you know, and whether they cover or not, just make it more frustrating than it possibly should be. You know, uh, with Jameis Winston and all the, he turns the football over um, at an unreal rate. Bruce Arians continues to go to bat for Winston. Um, he talked about how uh, I think Winston has like 19 interceptions. And he said that in his book, he has 10 because he doesn't he puts a lot of it on. Uh, I mean, the one, you know, O.J. Howard caught the pass and then he bobbled it and, you know, juggled it behind his back and it got picked off. Like sometimes weird stuff does happen to Jameis. Um, but yeah, Arians only said he has 10 interceptions. So um, he's going to keep letting Jameis, you know, drop back there. You look into it, um, really neither of these teams is going to be tough for them to establish a ground game. 
game. Uh, Falcons are going to, you know, they consistently go out there and try to run the ball. Like you said, Freeman's not going to play in this game. The Buccaneers still have the best run defense. um, And a lot of it at this point has to do with teams have figured out how good they are up front and they're not even trying against them. And they're just coming out and throwing all over them. Makes a lot of sense when you consider who's in their secondary. You know, they're still shuffling, um, you know, five or six guys back there consistently. Um, You know, rookies like Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean getting beat, you know, MJ Stewart um, struggling back there. Um, Players like that in the secondary. So you assume if the Falcons would just ditch the run game. I mean, they went against Brian Hill and the Panthers who had, you know, they were a bad run defense and they had, you know, one of those kind of player only meetings where they pointed some fingers and really got their run defense potentially figured out. But you look at it and you say, it's the Falcons O-line and it's Brian Hill. You know, they, the Panthers probably didn't get their run defense necessarily fixed and the Falcons shouldn't just, they should just abandon the run game the way that the Detroit Lions are because the Lions every week, they consistently have put up offense with Jeff Driscoll, um, you know, because they're just ditching the run game altogether and they're saying, this is stupid. We're just going to throw the football down the field. Um, and when you have, you know, Atlanta in a dome against the Bucs, that's what you should assume that Matt Ryan and them are going to do. If they do get out and run the football a little bit, it's going to be a slower game. They're going to struggle to run the football. And then on the other end, like I said, I think, you know, Jameis can – he every week he has you know twenty really good throws to go with his three bad throws. So he's gonna. I think he's gonna have some success. Um, True Font will be on Mike Evans. So I don't love Evans in this spot, but I do think. Um, the other move they made, they put their slot corner Kazee at free safety, and they brought in the rookie from Ohio State, um, who I don't really think he's. He has a lot of speed, but. Um, I think that uh, Chris Godwin should be a good matchup. They still are targeting Godwin a high amount, and he's just not really coming home with them. Plus, it seems like they're – I don't think they're benching O.J. Howard, but Howard's taking away – um, he's not getting on the field as much, and he's in the doghouse big time. Like I said, he had that drop against the Saints that really kind of changed the game. So I think that actually does open up the middle of the field for Chris Godwin. So we'll see. I do think it could be a potentially lower-scoring game because these teams are going to be one-dimensional, and neither team will necessarily be able to put it away. That's why I think the Bucks. Um, I don't think the jump from three to four is necessarily warranted because, like I said, I don't trust the Falcons yet, and I don't think – I think it's going to be tough for them to win three straight divisional games like that when they still have some questions in their secondary it did just come together I think Jameis can throw the football on them enough to keep it in there but yeah I have it 27-24 so I can see them you know the move to the under makes sense because you know that's a lot of points although these two do tend to shoot out a lot but um that's a lot of points there. And like I said, Julio and Ridley are probably good bets for DFS. Ridley's been on a tear because, uh, you know, they don't have Hooper or Sanu now. So he's a big time play for DFS. That's about it for that one. Yeah, Parks, looking at the next one here, the 3-7 and seven Denver Broncos travel to the 7-3 and three Buffalo Bills for the Broncos. Uh, Vic Fangio said that on if Connor McGovern will play Sunday, I believe so. Yes, on if right, tw- if right tackle Juwan James can play on Sunday, it's still really 50-50 on Tim Patrick, the wide receiver. He's fine. He's got the shoulder, but I think he'll be able to go. On the Bills, um, Frank Gore is not practicing. That looks like it's just for rest. Ty Insecki, um is week to week that they said. I didn't see anything else really noteworthy there, Parks. Um, this line opened at Bills minus five and a half. It has been bet down to four and even three and a half in some spots. The total of 35 has been bet up to as high as 38, but there are a lot of 37 and a halfs out there. Parks, how do you see this one going? 
Right. And yeah, a lot of these spreads consistently kind of tell you, well, first off, it tells you, you know, I keep saying who the Bills are, you know, despite their seven and three record, you know, they're almost on a neutral field. People are saying, you know, they're not much better than the Denver Broncos on it because I mean, the Bills have a strong home field advantage, you know, so they're not much better than the Broncos on a neutral field. You also can look at the Broncos and say that, you know, they've they've shot themselves in the foot and kind of lost a lot of games in the last second and they could be a game or two better. So, you know, yeah, yeah the Broncos could be a game or two better. The Bills are probably a game or two worse than what their record looks like all of a sudden it does make a lot of sense to you um you look into you know that last game against the minnesota vikings where they blew that you know 20 point lead something that i was talking about saying you know i may be afraid to take the vikings but still ended up taking them for you know that was a stupid decision because vic fangio against these quarterbacks like cousins is going to put them in you know tougher situations where cousins actually stepped up and he's he's having a big year right now but um he found a way in the second half but i mean on the other side is you know brandon allen but nonetheless I'm, i keep looking at this game and i'm saying you no know, first off the spread does look low you look at josh allen against miami dolphins last week or easily the best game of his career by far you know and then you kind of look at it and you're like that's the miami dolphins and you know he played terribly against them at home so to see him go on the road and really put up the best game of his career you're at least impressed with that. And, you know, he's starting to show some sorts of progression, but I just keep thinking, you know, Vic Fangio is going to get him in there and he's going to contain him in the pocket and he's not going to let him run because, you know, Vic, he's so straightforward with his game plans. and He is just going to throw, you know, just the straightforward at you. He's going to say, I'm, I want to see Josh Allen throw the football 40 times and beat us. And he's going to force him to do that. He's going to stack the box. He's going to keep his players on the edges. He's going to spy him in the middle with uh, Alexander Johnson, a guy that they've kind of found over this uh, season. I don't think I've talked about him much, but he's going to spy him. So they have the speed on him and he's and Josh Allen's going to have to drop back 40 times and, you know, win this game. And I'm going to be interested to see it. You know, at this point, I'm kind of leaning to Denver just because of that. Um, you know, Chris Harris, he got burnt um, last week by Stefan Diggs, but he was, it looked like he needed safety help over the top or there was a miscommunication. And nonetheless, it's Stefan Diggs. He's one of the best receivers. I mean, John Brown, when he's healthy has, you know, he's elite, you know, he's playing like a really high level right now this season and really you know him and Josh Allen their skill set's perfect but you know if they connect it might be for you know one big pass but I think Harris it's a good spot for Harris on him so you know I think they're gonna have a good shot to you know shut down Allen um in the passing game and really you know force him to you know make plays with his legs and you know like you said Gore is kind of it's like 70 to 30 now it used to be like 50 50 it's 70 to 30 in favor of Singletary but you know I don't like Singletary much in terms of he doesn't catch many passes um Josh Allen steals his goal line carries and you know he's not even all that explosive and like I said Fangio is just going to load up the box you know he's just not going to let Singletary beat him and so I don't really trust what the Bills are going to have offensively in this game I could see it similarly to the Minnesota game where it takes, you know, two or three drives where they're, you know, struggling to get things going. The reason I haven't bet on Denver yet is, you know, I still don't trust Brandon Allen at this situation. Um, what you do like about Brandon Allen is the fact that Cortland Sutton, whether people are talking about it or not, I'm not sure, but um, he's becoming like a seriously, um, you know, like a number one receiver in the NFL. And, you know, the Vikings cornerbacks are overrated, but he's put together like seriously good games. And Allen is, you know, the thing about Brandon, Brandon Allen, because Brandon Allen versus Josh Allen. So the thing about Brandon Allen is that I don't think he's very talented, but he also knows this is like his one chance ever to like, like he really, I don't think he'll ever get a, you know, we'll see. I think he could, he could win a backup job for Drew Locke, you know, or it, we'll see if, you know, they, they're looking to pull the string 
string on him and move on to Drew Locke, and he knows it, and he's playing like it. So he's giving a guy like Cortland Sutton the chance. You know, he's make he's given Noah Fant like every chance possible. Which you know, I'm I'm gonna fade Noah Fant again again this week. This will be you know another week where I'm fading him. That he you know he continues to break these big plays, and he did against the Vikings, and he did the week before. But um, I, he still doesn't get enough for me. And uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Milano will be on him for the most part. So I'm fading fan again. But I do think Sutton on Tredavious White, I mean, White's one of the better corners in the NFL, but Sutton is a physical presence and he makes these contested catches and Allen still throws to him. You know, it's you're making the case for Denver here. And then you got uh, Tim Patrick is off the IR. He's a big body who um, they're, they benched their second cornerback, Levi Wallace, I'm pretty sure. Or they're shuffling, you know, their second and third cornerbacks, the Bills are. So, you know, you're starting to look and say, you know, Tim Patrick on the other side might be in line for a good game. And now you're starting to look at the, you know, uh, Denver Broncos skill players and you're saying well Sutton's a young up-and-comer you know fancy young up-and-comer Tim Patrick's actually a nice complimentary piece Deshaun Hamilton's a nobody but you know he, he they ha- they're starting to have something come along not only that um they moved they didn't move on from Royce Freeman but it was like 50-50 now that's like you know probably 65-35 in favor of Philip Lindsay and the Bills are worse against the run um they rank like 25th against the run so Fangio with his old school mentality in Buffalo, in the cold, going to come out there and just heavy Philip Lindsay, heavy Philip Lindsay, heavy Philip Lindsay, and I think it's going to have success straight up the gut on them. Um, they're still shuffling Ed Oliver. Um, McDermott doesn't like his discipline, um, so they're going to give Philip Lindsay straight up the gut. He's going to give Sutton just enough chances. He's going to give his receivers just enough chances that I think Denver's in line for you know potential upset here. Um, 17-14 is what I have it because I could see Josh Allen um, in the fourth quarter pulling something out of his butt. And you know you look at Denver just finds ways to win. The Bills go into the third quarter, you know, go into the fourth quarter losing in like five of uh, their seven wins so far this season, something like that. So they find ways to win. Denver finds ways to lose. Lose, but I could see this being a close game early on into this game, and you know, maybe even looking to Denver in the first half to keep it tight. Yep, Parks. Moving on to the next one here, the two and eight New York Giants travel to the four and six Chicago Bears for the Giants. Parks left tackle Nate Solder concussion was upgraded to full participation today. Um, the only change from yesterday. Today was that one. Barring any setbacks, expect him, Sterling Shepard, Janoris Jenkins, John Halapio, and Mike Remmers all to start slash play on Sunday. Evan Ingram unlikely, and we'll see on Rhett Ellison. Over on things for the Bears, Mitch Trubisky with his hip uh, practice in full Thursday, so they expect him to play. Adam Shaheen and Danny Trevathan did not practice. Isaiah Irving was limited. Looking at the spread here, Parks, this one opened at Bears minus seven um there's one seven so out there most books have moved to six and a half if not all the way down to six the total of 41 has been bet down to as low as 39 and a half but there are some 40s and 40 and a half out there but they've all been ticked down parks how do you see this one going yeah this one i mean i won't talk too much about the game but i do have a take on the mitch trubisky hip thing because um it's like a big deal in chicago i don't know if it's like a big i think it's a big deal nationally too so at least worth my opinion but um i I think, you know, he definitely was hurt and he hurt his hip and everyone said, oh, he got benched for Chase Daniel. And it's like he kind of did because um, we you texted me whenever it was third and one and he r- was running the option play and he pitched it and he really set his running back up to just like get destroyed. Yeah, I was like, is that the first time he ever ran the option? <laughs> yeah, right. And I texted you back and I said, no, he's scared. Like I can, I've seen him run that play before. I know for a fact that he right now is scared to get hit. And, you know, Matt Nagy pulled him to the side and, okay, he got he got hit on the hip in the second quarter and they 
looked at him at halftime and they told Matt Nagy, he's fine. You know, there's a big difference between are you hurt or are you injured? If you're injured, you're out. If you're hurt, you're playing. You know, that's the that's how the NFL is. Literally everybody's hurt at this point in the you know NFL. I highlighted it. Like Jacoby Brissett's playing on an MCL and like we don't care because he's playing hurt and that's what happens. Aaron Rodgers played all last season hurt. Like nobody cares because that's what happens. So Mitch Trubisky was hurt and he played. And Matt Nagy did not change his play calls because everybody's hurt at this point, right? And when Mitch Trubisky couldn't execute a simple option play, Matt Nagy pulled him aside and said, now you're injured and you need to sit on the bench because you're screwing our team at this point. And, you know, whether he was playing through, you know, and he everyone says, oh, he's a tough guy. He's playing through this and this and this. That's what it came down to. It wasn't, you know, he was playing okay. It's just he was playing apparently too injured or he was playing scared of his injury and you can't play scared of your injury because then like I said you're setting your other team up to fail so um the question is I think they should be able to beat the Giants you know and they should have a bounce back game like I said Trubisky was playing well considering you know what his um you know, performances. He was at least playing with somewhat of confidence and flow to where he was pushing the football down the field. He was connecting with players. He wasn't just like, like double taking and like double clutching and everything like that. It's just now with this like hip thing and like half the players thought he was injured. Half the players thought he got benched. Um, it's such a big deal in Chicago that it's like, it's hard to see. And, you know, the defense just, you know, played another perfect game or, you know, they didn't play perfectly against the Rams, but they gave up, you know, really 10 points in that game. It was 10 points with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you just assume Chicago needs to win that game if you score 10 points or if you give up 10 points as a defense. Um, and they didn't, you know, they're, I, it just you just wonder what their level of enthusiasm is um, considering, you know, no Hicks, no Trevathan. And, um, you know, the Giants, like you just mentioned, everybody's healthy for really the first time. So we're going to see what um, what Danny Dimes can do. But still, you look into it and, you know, Saquon at this point, whether it's the ankle or not, he just looks like he's overrated. You know, they're one of the worst running teams in the NFL. So you say, OK, the Bears are terrible when it comes to run straight up the gut. Well, the issue is Saquon never runs straight up the gut. He's always dancing around, you know, breaking stuff to the outside. And that's where all of a sudden you're getting chased down by Roquan Smith and everything like that. So, you know, I don't even like Saquon in this spot. Like I said, they're still forcing the football to the tight ends, even without Evan Ingram. And I don't think Ingram, I think he will be the one missing piece for this. So I don't think they're going to be able to score enough. If the Bears defense shows up, and like I said, I think Trubisky's fine. I just think in that moment, he was just, you know, mentally was like checked out due to his injury. Um, And he practiced fully, so I don't see it being an issue. And I actually think that if you start looking at how he started to play, and, you know, I mean, you start to think he, you know, hurt his left shoulder. He missed the game against London. He played, you know, the Saints defense is playing pretty well, um, played pretty, you know, poorly. And then, you know, the next two games he played against two pretty good defenses, um, whether it be, you know, the Chargers getting Melvin Ingram back or the Philadelphia Eagles starting to come on defensively, which we're going to talk about. Um, But then, you know, beat beat Detroit. You know, whether it be, it's only like four good passes that he throws, but, you you know, he, he was throwing none a couple of weeks ago. So now he's like throwing like four good passes. So um, I think if he's healthy and if the team buys into the fact that he didn't get benched and the Chicago media is not like jamming it down people's throats, um, then I could see them winning this game 21-13. If this team has completely checked out, then they're definitely going to lose. It's just I don't I don't quite know. I think that they're still 
you know, in it, it seems like, like I said, Matt Nagy's story checks out. And to me, my timeline of events, like it makes a lot more sense to where everyone's just like, oh, this is, you know, the changing of the guard and, you know, the changing of a franchise altering event. And I'm like, I, I think they just benched him because he was injured in that situation. So we'll see. All right, Parks, moving on to the next one here. Pittsburgh Steers at five and five travel to the Cincinnati Bengals who are still winless with their 10 losses. Parks um, on the Steelers front, Marquise Pouncey had his suspension reduced to two games um and on the injuries for them parks not practicing on thursday for the steelers were james connor center marquis pouncey who's obviously not going to play this week um and juju smith schuster with his concussion and ramon foster was non-injury related uh smith schuster and connor both expected to miss sunday pouncey also will um we will see for foster it looks like he was just given thursday veterans day off um but he was added to the injury report today on thursday parks um limited for the steelers were already burns um i think everybody else was pretty much a full go yeah mark barron's back to a full go looking at things for the Bengals over here parks um out in tate with his concussion didn't practice again thursday so it seems unlikely that he's gonna play geno atkins um it said not on injury related rest yesterday and today uh, the guy that writes for the Bengals for the athletics said never seen back-to-back rest days and for a guy who was on the injury report last week with a knee and ankle so that'll be an interesting one uh aj green still not practicing uh drew sample not practicing limited was billy price Sean Williams, Parks, everybody else looks like they are going to be full goes. Parks looking at the line here. Steelers open to seven-point favorites. Some books have ticked down to six and a half. The rest have stayed put at seven. A total of 39 has been bet down to 38 and 38 and a half. Um, most books have moved to 38, but there are a couple 38 and a halfs out there, Parks. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, it's at this point, it's hard to, you know, it's an 0-10 team, and that's tough. But, I mean, you're laying seven points on the road with Mason Rudolph. At this point, it just sounds crazy, you know, whether it's an 0-10 team or not. And like you mentioned with the injuries and everything and the suspension. And, you know, okay, BJ Finney and Pouncey on its head doesn't really do much for me. You know, I don't – I trust BJ Finney as a backup. That's with Ben Roethlisberger, you know. When you lose your starting center with a rookie – I mean, whoever, you know, young quarterback in his first year, um, it's that's where it becomes an issue with me because that's where it becomes communication and setting protections and a lot of stuff like that. Now you're on the road with it. And like I said, I trust Finney, but I think it's – you know, it's a bigger issue than some people think. And um, they have to run the football in some regard in this game. Um, I think, you know, Jalen Samuels, uh, he, whether it's the MC MCL injury. I think the MCL injuries clearly affected his burst, but you know he doesn't have it between the tackles, and someone's got to run between the tackles. So I think they're going to have to turn to Benny Snell for like a decent portion of this game. And you know you're looking at it saying you know with Finney and them up there, um, like you said, the Geno Atkins thing is going to be huge to monitor because the Bengals defense is starting to play. You know they held the Raiders in check. They're at least consistently playing, and you know that they're going to show up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know knowing the rivalry and everything like that. And Zach Taylor has talked about um, you know one of the the most deflating aspects yeah, actually yeah, it's like the 10th most deflating aspect of the Bengals season but when they were 0-3 Zach Taylor made a huge fuss about 
you know, the Steelers were 0-3-2, and, and we need to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers because this is, you know, it's the first game of Taylor's career. He's And he, like, he made it a big deal in his press conference that, like, I came here to beat the Steelers, and then it was 27-3, to and everyone started looking at him like, you know, <laughs> who's this guy? You know, just he got destroyed by the Wildcats. So, um, it's you know, it's a huge game for their defense. The issue is, you know, Ryan Finley, they're, like, tanking on offense. And you want to say Mason Rudolph was, you know, awful on Monday Night Football – but um, or Thursday night or whatever. But Ryan Finley's just as bad, if not worse. You know, that's where you know. Oh, the, all these points that Rudolph's laying, I may want to take the Bengals. But you know, I if AJ Green were to ever come back this season, it would be for the Steelers. But I don't even think he's going to come back. You know, they're still getting Erickson in, which pushes Boyd out of the slot when they need to be playing Stanley Morgan. He played like 15 snaps. Um, it needs to be Morgan. I, I guess because Alden Tate's out, it might be Stanley Morgan on the outside. But still, Boyd will be on the outside. Erickson will be in the slot. Um, the Steelers have at least defended the slot a lot better. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that you look at the Steelers and say that you know they're not going to score offensively, or you know they're going to have that one touchdown drive a game and maybe kick two field goals. Um, you know, can't lay it, you know six with a team that's only going to do that offensively. But fact is, they're going to do enough on the offensive line to where their offensive line should hold up. You know, Rudolph, he was sacked like four times and everyone's like, oh, they're missing Mike Munchak. It's like he's been sacked like four times in the six games prior to that combined. And he's been, you know, one bad game where Miles Garrett just dominated um, Villanueva. But nonetheless, uh, you think that, you know, the offensive line will bounce back. Rudolph will have enough time. Um, Deion Kane, it's at least worth, you know, noting that he got picked up off the – the Steelers never picked off dudes off the other team's practice squad. So he's going to be active for the next three games. He's going to take Johnny Holton's job where um, – I don't know if you've noticed, but like every week they throw two deep balls to Johnny Holton and he doesn't catch any of them. So now Deion Kane's going to try and corral those deep balls in, um, at least worth noting. Uh, Kareth White is going to be returning kicks. Um and I think he's a decent kick returner. So uh, it's at least something, you know, if he could just get a spark, then, you know, that's all the Steelers need to win. But yeah, the fact is, like I said, Ryan Finley's not going to do much. And the other issue is that the Steelers' defensive line is going to absolutely dominate the Bengals' offensive line to where, you know, John Jerry, um, even his, the offensive line coach said this week that he's doing a disservice to John Jerry because, I mean, he's a backup right guard and he's playing left tackle. Uh, they said Cordy Glenn might come back this week, but I've talked about Cordy Glenn is like in a weird spot with the front office and the coaches and the teammates don't really trust him in some regards so this is going to be a really really ugly game you know it's going to be like 20 to 17 I think the Steelers just because you know the Bengals aren't even going to try offensively and they asked uh Zach Taylor it was one of the funniest quotes they said uh you know because they hung around with the Raiders and hung around with the Raiders and if Andy Dalton starts that game they beat the Raiders there's like no doubt in anybody's mind so they asked him that and they said you know at this point do you really think that Ryan Finley gives you the best chance to win and he said we wouldn't start him unless he gave us a chance to win (laughs) he didn't say anything about best chance or anything he just said we wouldn't start him unless we thought he gave us a chance to win so I mean I don't even think that they're even trying or, I mean, they're going to obviously try because it's the Steelers. But I think, this, you know, it's going to be a tight, ugly game, and the Steelers are going to probably pull one out because it's going to be, you know, they're, they're the team trying where the Bengals at the end of the day are just slipping up enough. But, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that one, Parks. But looking at um, the next game here, 2-8 and eight Miami Dolphins travel to the 4-6 and six Cleveland Browns. On the Dolphins' front, Parks, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the shoulder um, was limited in practice again Thursday. Despite that limited designation, team has already announced that he is fully expected to play on Sunday. Um, every Dolphins player on the active roster practiced today. Looking at things for the Brownies there, Parks, Odell and Jarvis were both limited. 
so was Joel Batonio. Um, Olivia Vernon obviously did not practice the last two days. Miles Garrett's uh, indefinite suspension was upheld today. Parks looking at this line opened at Browns minus nine, has been bet up to. Ten and a half in most spots. Some books have even moved to 11. One has even moved to 12. The total of 35 has been bid up to 45, um, 44 and a half at least across the board parks. How do you see this one going? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game where, you know, the Browns, and, you know, like you said with the Garrett thing, that everyone has, uh, you know, such an insane opinion on that. But when you look at it as like football, Miles Garrett was, you know, he's the best player on their defense for like he's arguably the best player on, on the entire franchise. You know, Baker Mayfield, the success of him, you know, makes or breaks the franchise probably more than Garrett. But Garrett was performing at a level that like that's devastating to their defensive line. You know, that's what I don't think enough people are because like a lot of people are like, oh, the Browns won two straight. Here they come. It's like, no, they lost Miles Garrett and their season, you know, kind of ended with that. You know, you got to understand that like he was driving with the defense. They ranked sixth in pressure rate. And like he was, trust me, Miles Garrett was leading the way. So that's really, you know, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that like that kills them, <laughs> that kills their defensive line, you know, and all of a sudden their pressure is not nearly going to be the same because one of their issues was they're trying to find, a you know, another guy on the other side of Garrett to take attention away from him because, you know, he was just demanding so much respect and, you know, Ogan Joby's going to be gone. So that's, a, you know, a big time rusher up the middle. And, you know, the other issue is that, you know, Freddie Kitchens, I talk about all the time. He's starting to slowly, you know, the Kareem Hunt thing, at least it's, you know, the way that he's handling it and he's not the way that he's adding Kareem Hunt to the offense without impacting Nick Chubb's playing time is like one of the smartest things. It's the smartest thing he's done all season, like without a doubt, because, you know, he finally cut Antonio Callaway, which I've talked about since last year, but he finally cut Callaway and it turned out because he got suspended for 10 games, it was going to be out for the next 10 games. And, you know, they're still not playing, uh, Rashad Higgins, and it, it turns out that Higgins, um, you know, it was another thing where, you know, he the doctor said that he was, you know, quote unquote hurt. He said he was injured and he wasn't going to return to a game. And now they're saying he's healthy, but, you know, because they're so mad at him for not playing hurt, um, they're not going to play him. They're playing uh, Darrell Hodge or something like that instead of him. So, you know, Freddie's still struggling a little bit. You know, I don't think ever, like I said, everyone has a stupid take on that Garrett thing where, like, this is such an indictment of Freddie Kitchens. And it's like, in some regards, but like not really, you know, like Garrett kind of just lost his cool, but like that's kind of his team is super undisciplined. And, you know, all week they're, you know, uh, Sheldon Richardson is, I'm so disappointed about Mason Rudolph, you know, and he has all these facts about, I'm like, Sheldon Richardson, why are you spending all your time Googling Mason Rudolph's, you know, history? Like, what do you care? You're playing the Miami Dolphins this week. And, you know, th- then, you know, like the racist thing came up and, never, you know, Baker Mayfield has his thing. Odell has his thing. Freddie Kitchens has handled the whole situation, you know. And I'm like, are they really, do they even care about the Miami Dolphins? Because then you look at the schedule and, um, you know, the same thing for the Steelers, though, that I think they're going to start off sloppy. Who do they play next week? The Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's all anybody talks about and it's all anybody cares about. And it's like Freddie is going to be so distracted from actually performing in this game that, you know, I think it's going to be it's going to be ugly for them. And like I said, I mean, on the field, they're going to lose. Miles Garrett, and that's huge. So, I mean, if Fitzpatrick, I think he could actually do somewhat decently um, because, yeah, he's not going to have the pressure. And, I mean, Brian Flores is just a straight-up better coach than Freddie Kitchens. And, like, that's just, you know, quite apparent to me. But, like, if Flores was on the Browns right now, they'd be, like, 7-3, and three, you know, legitimately. So, 
I think Flores will. You, they're going to dig them in a hole. I think the Browns win by like four. You know, but I would definitely be looking to the Dolphins here, just almost legitimately off of you know Garrett. That's not being affected into the line, and I actually think he's a player that like needs to actually matter. And then yeah, like I said, I mean, I just think that they're going to be distracted, and I think they'll come out with a way. And like I said, I think Chubb is still a good play. A lot of people are saying he's been impacted by Hunt, but he hasn't been. The fact is that um, he got stuffed like four times at the one yard line by the uh, what's it called, and he didn't get a touchdown against the Steelers because they kind of clamped down on defense by the end of it but Hunt's getting like six receptions a game because they don't have a tight end right now and he's like he's like playing fullback slash tight end and he's getting a bunch of receptions actually both of them in this situation you could play both of them in fantasy um Odell I mean Odell and Landry you could probably play all these guys in fantasy but like I said you know I think it's gonna it's like 24 20 type of game so there's enough fantasy for everyone but I think Dolphins are you know they're in consideration too also uh Gesicki everyone's gonna talk about the volume like don't even try it you know I know he has a nice matchup here but he's not even like a football player at this point in his NFL career so like they're throwing him the ball a ton and he's dropping everything because he's not ready for the speed of the NFL so I wouldn't do him I would uh Devontae Parker is not bad Alan Hearns does a same thing he drops everything too i wouldn't even trust him just Devonte, and none of the running backs either they're even patrick laird everyone's talking up until they start miles gaskin there's no running back worthwhile at all moving on to the next one here parks carolina panthers at five and five travel to new orleans to take on the eight and two saints for the panthers pretty healthy for week 12 parks cornerback ross carpool with his quad was the only did not participate today in practice over on the Saints side, you have do not practice or did not practice for Wednesday and Thursday. The following four players: Andrew Pete, Marshawn Lattimore, Deonta Harris, and Zach Line. Um, Josh Hill and Austin Carr were limited full participants. Ryan Ramchek and Larry Warford. Looking at the line here, Parks opened at six and a half for the Saints. Has been bet up to at least nine and a half, even ten and a half and ten at some. Books. The total of 48 has been ticked down just to 47 across the board there, Parks. Uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, more I've looked into it. I really like that under, and I still think 47 is way too high. Um, as we're going to kind of talk about, you know, I'm still kind of tracking this Drew Brees thing, and I know nobody's talking about it but me because he's playing efficiently, but he's playing within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like, he really is. Like, he doesn't throw the football deep at all. And when the Falcons forced him to, he struggled terribly, right? And that was the only game he's played since he was injured. Um, he you know, he slugged through that Cardinals game that, you know, the Cardinals defense is terrible and Michael Thomas bails him out of, you know, a lot. So I, I started to look it up. He is the lowest in the NFL in uh, intended air yards right now. He throws the ball about 4.7 yards down the field um, per pass. And he's third in the NFL in completed air yards, which uh, only Josh Rosen and Mason Rudolph are worse right now. So, you know, you talk about two quarterbacks that, you know, Rosen got benched because he wasn't completing and Rudolph is, you know, captain check down. But Drew Brees is right there in terms of his completed air yards to where, you know, he's not pushing the football down the field. And then you look at this um, Carolina team and okay, you know, their defense is starting to, you know, find some holes in this and that, but the holes are in the run game. They're still a talented pass defense. And, you know, you can look at that. uh, Oh, they just got blown out by the Atlanta Falcons. What a terrible team. Look at the stats in that game. They held Atlanta 
Kyle Allen threw a pick. They held him to a field goal. Kyle Allen threw a pick. They held him to a field goal. They got a punt return for a touchdown. And it's like, okay, now this game's over because Kyle Allen can't come back. Like, that's what happened in that game against Atlanta. Their defense really, you know, they had they gave up one touchdown drive in the fourth quarter when it was like, what, 26 to three or whatever. But nonetheless, like their defense didn't play poorly and they're about to get Bradbury back. Bradbury will follow Thomas for the most part. And like I keep saying, he's an underrated corner, but Thomas goes into the slot enough where Thomas is matchup proof and you just play Thomas. But I'm really looking at Drew Brees in this game saying that this is a dominant pass rush and they get after it in terms of their pass rush. And Brian Burns starting to get his hand back. Uh, He broke his hand a couple weeks ago, starting to get that figured out. But it's a dominant pass rush nonetheless. Um, And Brees is going to be in his check down ways that, you know, it's going to be a slow game. Not only that, you look at the Panthers. um, They were just getting torched on the ground. And like I said, okay, they, they beat the Atlanta Falcons on the ground or, you know, they played well against the Atlanta Falcons run defense. You know, woohoo, good job. The Atlanta Falcons run, you know, their run offense is one of the worst in the NFL. And now they get Kamara, who's coming back from an ankle injury, who did play um, Tampa Bay last week. And, you know, it was due, mainly due to game flow. And if you look at efficiency, the Bucks, you know, they do what they do to running backs. But um, he caught the ball around the nine-yard line and took it to the house. And, you know, he looked pretty spry in that situation. And now you say, you know, Kamara was coming off of an injury, had the bye week, got healthy, played really, you know, played poorly against Atlanta, you know, his first game back, and then played really well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are stout run defense. And I think Camaro will be a blow up spot. And I actually think Latavius Murray has cheap DFS because I think they're going to run the ball like 30 times. And I think they know that, you know, Drew Brees physically, um, everyone's worried about Tom Brady. I think Drew Brees is right there with him physically. And you can see it that he doesn't throw the football. You know, he tried to, and then he stopped trying to a couple weeks ago. So um, I think, you know, Carolina is going to force him into his check down ways you know you look at like nine and a half ten and say that this team that's going to slog slog and slog on the ground you know you might want to take the Panthers but at this point I'm almost like out on Kyle Allen just completely he just finds ways to lose games and you look at the um, Saints defense it's really starting to come together they're you know they've carried this team so far um the offense, Michael Thomas obviously has had his success in the offense. You know, Teddy, you know, they're still, whether it be Teddy or Breeze, they're still efficient because they complete the, you know, the quick passes and all that. So they're still efficient, but the defense has done, you know, the major damage so far this season. They're a pretty stout run defense. They're going to put obviously extra efforts in on McCaffrey. McCaffrey will probably do enough in the run game where he's probably, you know, obviously a decent spot. But question is, if Lattimore comes back, he'll be on DJ Moore, who, like I keep saying, Moore's having such a good year. He just doesn't have a touchdown to show for it. Um, but he's having a big time year, but it's not a good spot for him. Um, not even a good spot for Curtis Samuel because you're starting to look at Kyle Allen. You know, the, pre- the questions are starting to come in. They got Will Greer in, in, thir- in the third round. I feel like, you know, by the end of this season, it's going to happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen in this game. Rivera's still standing hard by Allen, which is kind of weird because he's a UDFA that they like they have nothing invested in him. <laughs> but they're going to keep trying. I think uh, Greg Olson is actually a decent spot because he'll probably see a lot of Chauncey Gardner, who, you know, is playing well, but he's starting, you know, he. He has his rookie mistakes and everything. And Olsen's having um, – I, I really think this is it for him. And, like, he's leaving everything on the field. So um, I have it like a 20-10 to 10 game where I think the Saints do win by about 10. And like I said, I think that under is going to be big time because, you know, Allen's going to struggle and struggle and struggle. And I think he's going to be really keyed in on not turning the football over. But like I said, he's so oblivious that he'll find ways to screw it up. But he's going to be really keyed in on not turning the football over and getting the – ball out of his hands. Breeze isn't going to turn the football over. Breeze is going to rely on the run game. And obviously you got McCaffrey on the other side. So I think you could see an under in this spot. 
Yeah, Parks, moving on to the next one here. The 6-4 and four Oakland Raiders travel across to the New York Jets, who are 3-7. and seven. For the Raiders, no changes to the practice report from yesterday. Um, did not participate. Joined with his hamstring and tackle sharp with his calf limited were tackle Brown, center Hudson, and running back Jacobs with his shoulder. Looking at things for the Jets, their injury report has been the longest of every team each week this year. Um, a bunch of guys limited to keep an eye on. Um, Kelvin Beecham was on there. CJ Mosley did not practice. Dale Roberts did not practice. Full participation for Sam Darnold um, and Jordan Jenkins. There are a bunch of guys on that, so definitely check back with that one on Friday because a bunch of guys were limited. But looking at the line here, Parks opened at Raiders minus three. It has stayed there. One book has gone to two and a half. The 47 total has been ticked down to 46 and a half. Even 46 at one book, Parks. How do you see this one? Yeah, I like the Jets in this spot. You know, thinking they might get an w- upset win here. Haven't played it yet, obviously. I mean, it's tough to, you know, trust the Jets at this point. And you say, okay, you know, they beat the Giants and the Redskins. You know, how impressive is that? That they're, you know, going to come back home and beat a team in Oakland. You look at Oakland. I mean, they barely beat Cincinnati. And now they have to travel off of, you know, barely beating that team, clearly overlooking that team. And now they're traveling to the East Coast for, you know, an early start against the Jets. And not only that, they actually have the Kansas City Chiefs for a game that whether they lose this game or not, the game against the Chiefs next week is for the division. So, I mean, not necessarily thinking that they could overlook the Jets in this spot, but thinking that the Jets are probably, based on the last two games, maybe better than um, some people think. And, you know, you look at that game against, um, you know, and I talked about it. He's, you know, Donald struggled mightily against New England, who just threw the house at him, um, you know, completely. And then struggled against the Jaguars, who have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. And, you know, had a decent game against Miami, but saw a lot of the same New England stuff and struggled. But then, put it together against the Giants. And I thought his game against Washington, and you know, you can say, oh, Washington, Washington. Washington's issues are on offense. You know, they haven't scored, they scored one touchdown in like six weeks on offense. Their defense isn't, you know, as bad as some of these teams in the NFL. You know, they're like, they're like 20th in defense. You know, it's not like great, but they're not a terrible defense. And Sam went like nine of nine or something and really like torched them pushing the football down the field. So you're thinking if Sam can come home and replicate that, he's got the defense where he can do it against, you know, they're still shuffling big time at cornerback. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, their um, specific roles for all these players in the back end. And, you know, their pass rush is starting to, to get going, but I feel like now their pass rush is starting to get a little overhyped. You know, Max Crosby had what, you know, two big games on like show showcase um, spotlights. Um, you know, it was what on uh, against the Chargers on uh, whatever primetime spot and then against the Bengals. And you're looking, you're saying, you know, that's the Chargers and the Bengals. These are really bad offensive lines. Okay, the Jets are equally as bad, but, you know, can they really string, can this pass rush that's, you know, it's still pretty bad in my opinion. Can they string these games consistently together? They're probably going to have a fine game, you know, in this situation. But I think, like I said, with the sandwich spot, with the Jets being at home and the travel and everything, I I think Darnold, um, you look at the past defense, he could have a really successful game here. Um, one thing he's doing that's really been efficient is getting the ball out of his hands quickly to Crowder. It sets up, you know, that's what sets up some of his deep passes. And some of his deep passes do go to Crowder, but um, he'll be in the slot. You know, LaMarcus Joyner isn't going to be in this game, so uh, – they're going to be susceptible in the slot to a quick, shifty receiver like Jamison Crowder. Ryan Griffin, the other one. I mean, if Chris Herndon was in this offense, uh, he would have been, you know, a huge hit in fantasy and all that. And he just, you know, couldn't get healthy. And now it's, you know, 
a guy like Ryan Griffin, you know, is is just kind of reaping the benefits of the fact that, you know, Darnold in this the specific offense is kind of built for him to have success over the middle of the field with a tight end, you know, should have been Herndon, now it's Griffin. So, you know, Griffin and Crowder, I think, are really sneaky DFS, and I think Darnold's a good DFS spot. Um, coming back home, you know, hoping and, you know, assuming that this young kid off of, you know, three poor games can string together three good games in a row in a similar manner. So um, I do kind of like the Jets' offense here to have a decent game. Left Bell, I mean, not as much because the Raiders are better against the run than they are against the pass. But nonetheless, I do like Darnold here um, due to his cheap price in DFS. Uh, on the other side, I mean, you do have to like Derek Carr here. The fact is, he's he's a super safe play in DFS. He doesn't push the football down the field at all. So he's not like a high up, um, high proposition, you know, high upside play. Where, like I said, Darnold could really like go off here. I think Carr could just have an efficient game where he doesn't screw it over for you. And at his price, he's kind of worth it. Um, you know, he's a dick and dunk passer. The issue with that is that on this team, you know, they're giving up huge explosive passes. Um, they're starting to move around uh, Jamal Adams, and he's he's having a lot of success. And it's helping in those quick passes over the middle of the field. But they're getting torched on the back end. And it's, you know, if Carr would push the football down the field, they would have a lot of success. I just don't think, you know, he's not really built for that. I think Darren Waller will have a huge game because, I mean, they don't really have a linebacker at this point. The Jets don't. So I think the Jets will have success in that regard. Um, I think the Jets will have good uh, success against the run. Uh, with Josh Jacobs. Jacobs catches enough passes that you may want to play him, but in DFS, I would look to other options than Jacobs because I think the Jets have shown enough. Um, they have enough power up front that they're going to stop the run. Tyrell Williams has a chance because they give up those explosive passes, but I don't think Carr will throw enough, and I think their Oakland Raiders defense is susceptible enough that um, I think there's a chance Darnold could pull up the upset, so I would definitely be looking to the Jets or passing this spot. Moving on to the next one here, Parks. 3-6-1 and one Detroit Lions travel to the 1-9 and nine Washington Redskins for the Lions here Parks. Guys that did not practice each of the last two days. Jamal Agnew, Trey Flowers, Deshaun Hand, uh, Damon Harrison was just getting a veteran rest today. Frank Ragnow, Matthew Stafford, and Tracy Walker all did not practice the last two days. Um, limited was C.J. Moore. Rick Wagner, the tackle, is now a full participant today. Parks looking at things over on the Redskins side. Callahan said he expects Adrian Peterson to play Sunday. He has not practiced the last two days. He said there's still a chance Deron Payne can play Sunday. He has also not practiced the last two days because of a bad right ankle. The line on this one, Parks, open lines minus three and a half. Nobody's had any interest in this game because it stayed the same. 41 and a half of the title has either stayed the same or been ticked down to 41. Parks, an exciting one here. How do you see it going? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, we won't spend much time because I'm not e- even interested either. I honestly, you have to look to the Detroit Lions in this situation. It's just, you know, Jeff Driscoll on the road laying more than a field goal. Do you really want to, you know, do you really want to? I don't, you know. I do think that the Lions offense with Daryl Bevel, you got to give it credit that, um, he, you know, they're passing the ball well. And Jeff Driscoll looks competent as like a backup in the NFL, you know, I'm not trying to sell you on Driscoll, but I think he's another, it's another situation. I think um, the last like two or three weeks, you could have been able to start him in DFS for real cheap and then pay up for, you know, some big time running backs and stuff. I think you can do it again in this spot. He runs just enough. Um, he doesn't turn the football over. And like I said, they abandon their running game and they're passing the football heavily. Bo Scarborough, it's going to be interesting. You know, they called him up off the practice squad. He had a big time touchdown. He was plowing guys over, looking like, you know, the Bo Scarborough that a lot of people, you know, kind of remember him as at Alabama. Um, you know, he's fully entrenched in that. You know, they just had LeGarrette Blunt last season. I think you can 
count him in for that. But that's, you know, like five carries, you know, one coming on the goal line. The question is, is he going to get more than that? Considering they only have, you know, J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson. I think, you know, you look to it and you look at who Matt Patricia is and what he wants to do is in terms of an offense. And um, I think Bo Scarborough has a chance to have, you know, at least more than 10 carries in this game. So there's something to invest in, in that. It's just I really think his carries are capped at there's no way Detroit rushes the football 20 times unless they're you know really just blowing this team out you just look to it and you say like I talked about with Matt Patricia in this defense it's it's awful it's it's like the worst in the NFL right now and he traded Quandre Diggs to the Seahawks who you know had a big time effort in his last game and um Tracy Walker sounds like he's out in this game um or you know he's banged up and uh Darius Slay, you know, he his performance has pretty much declined since the Diggs trade. And, um, you know, all this, it's their secondary is just bad right now. You know, they don't have the personnel necessarily. Patricia's not calling the right stuff at the right time. I think he's starting to realize, you know, that it's coming at him. And, you know, it's just a terrible defense. And um, you just look to Washington, you're like, there's no reason you can invest in Washington. Um, I do think Gar- Darius Geis, it's finally time to buy him um, in whatever format of fantasy you play in. Um, I talked about I was a huge fade on Darius Geis before the season, but it's really time now because he's healthy. The only reason I faded him is because I didn't think he was healthy and I thought he was going to come back too early and he was going to re-injure it and I was 100% right. But now it's time to buy Darius Geis. I think he has a chance to, like you said, AP's banged up. Um, you look at it, he had his most production as a pass catch. Um, he's the only running back on that roster that can catch passes, run between the tackles, and pass protect. I mean, just get the kid on the field and let him do his thing. I think he's a, a super, super talented running back. You know, if you look at my, you know, rankings, he's like really, he's up there. Um, like seriously, I was just selling him this year because of the health, but I think he's a great play in fantasy this week. I mean, Slay will be on McLaurin, but like I talked about, you're not as afraid of Slay at this point. It just doesn't seem like. So, um, you know, the issue is with Haskins. Um, everybody's killing Haskins. He looks like he has the arm talent. But I mean, the thing with him is, you know, um, calling the play, setting protections, you know, these are the issues with him at this point in his career. You know, there was that clip going around where everyone's praising his leadership and he's saying, you know, let me know how I can help you to his offensive line. And like, he's asking that because he's getting the protections wrong and his own line isn't sliding the right way. And like, they're getting him killed. And, you know, a lot of them like kind of looked at him like, like young man, shut the hell up. <laughs> and like, a lot of them were like, you know, Jay Gruden didn't want you and all this stuff. Like it's a bad situation there. So you're hoping Haskins can get it going, but you are noticing that like he is, he's struggling with some of the most basic stuff and that's not a good sign. Um, but like I said, I would lean heavily on Darius Geis. That's about it for that one. Yeah, Parks, I had another one here for you. Uh, their DC for the Redskins, Greg Minuski, on Josh Norman. Uh, he said, couldn't on his slow start to the season, couldn't tell you why you got to ask him. I think from our situation, we're putting him in situations to make some plays, and we're just not making the plays. Sometimes that's across the board as well, and a lot of other players too. So things are going well there. Um, looking at the last 1 o'clock game here, Parks, pretty good one here. Seattle Seahawks 8-2, and two, travel to the Eagles, take on the 5-5 five and five Philadelphia Eagles. Um, for the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett practiced seven days after his release from the hospital. Jadavian Clowney, Dwayne Brown, Luke Wilson um, did not practice yet, but there are signs that they will play on Sunday. Looking over at the Eagles, Nelson Aguilar and Lane Johnson both missed practice again. Jordan Howard, Alshon Jeffrey, Jason Peters were all limited again. Parks looking at the line in this one. We had an opener of Philadelphia minus three and a half. 
that has been bet down to even a pick at some spots. Some are laying two, one, one and a half. So all of it's been moved down though from that three and a half opener. The total at 49 has been bet down to as low as 47. Um, there are some 47 and a halfs and 48s. So both of those have moved down parks. How do you see this one going? Yeah, don't have a huge feel for this. I mean, one of the things I've been saying is, you know, I think despite the fact that Wilson continues to carry this team, this team is being carried by one player, you know, kind of looking for a spot where they could slip up in that regard, you know, due to the, you know, some of the parts and everything like that, you know, you're looking at Philly and saying, looking for a spot to buy them. And you're looking at the spread saying, probably should take Philly here. But like, for some reason, it's just, it's harder than you think. You know, I think a lot of the issues are um, just, you know, the questions going on in Philadelphia combined with, you know, Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. Um, They're coming off of a bye week and they're coming to the East Coast. I know Pete Carroll's really good on the East Coast, but it's going to be interesting to see if they get off to a slow start or not. It's going to be interesting to see if they run the football because they always run the football first. You know, that's what they do as an offense. Um, The thing is that when they've played teams where, um, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, who really defend the run well, they actually did come out throwing on the Bucs, which showed that, you know, they actually schemed around their opponent instead of just doing their thing and hoping their thing works. Uh, question is, you know, Eagles have a great run defense. They've, you know, been known to do that. I think, you know, they could have a successful game with um, a backup center starting on the road in Philadelphia. You know, you could expect to see them have a good spot against the run. So if Seattle comes out and runs the football, you really like Philadelphia in this spot. If they come out and throw the football, it's going to be fascinating because, um, Eagles just the last three weeks got Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, and Avante Maddox all back. And they've played really well in terms of their past defense the last three weeks. But then you look at the past three weeks and you say, um, they beat Mitch Trubisky, they beat Josh Allen, and um, you know, they beat Tom Brady, but Sanu left the game. Their offensive line is banged up. You know, Brady's a little bit older. Um, obviously, their most impressive game, or they, they didn't beat Tom Brady. They held Tom Brady to 17 points. And one of the touchdowns was, you know, uh, a wide receiver thrown to a wide receiver. But nonetheless, um, they, they've played well the last three weeks, the Eagles' pass defense. Um, and you can put a lot of the factor, um, whether it be the struggles of Brady or also the struggles of Carson Wentz last week, due to the wind, in my opinion. Um, I thought it was insanely windy in you know, a game that I bet the over and eventually had to start betting, um, you know, because you're watching the game and you're seeing, you know, the first pass of the game, Carson Wentz has a uh, dude wide open and he it was it's like five feet, you know, five yards out of bounds. And you're like, man, that, you know, hopefully that's the wind and not just Carson Wentz is terrible. And you start to look at, you know, as the game goes on, you start to realize, yeah, this is the wind probably should start to get on the under in this situation so you know and then what lane johnson leaves too and you know that's another reason that you know you want to invest in philadelphia but you're looking at you know is Clowney getting hot i know Clowney doesn't take on tackles you know likes to run up the gut and everything like that but without lane johnson their running game you know their running game was just stupid against the new england patriots like it was just legitimately stupid there's just there's really no other way to like talk about it because everyone talked about Oh, they went, you know, first off, they had that great drive with Miles Sanders on their first drive, and they really just go away from Miles Sanders altogether. Well, they're, you know, they're lining up Miles Sanders in the slot and like doing things like that. And they got Boston Scott back there. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, you, you know, you knew Belichick was going to stop what works, so you had to counter off of it. And it's like, why don't you just run what works until Belichick actually proves that you can stop it? You know, and they just completely abandoned Miles Sanders um, in the entire second half of that game. It was crazy to me. Like I said, in favor of Boston Scott, and like, I get that you, they don't have enough receivers that, like, Miles Sanders, like, there's just no way about it. Like, he's the best receiver on their team. And, like, I don't know if that's a compliment to Miles Sanders necessarily as much. As, uh, I mean, I guess Ertz is. But then they, they started putting Stephon Gilmore on Ertz. And, you know, that obviously became an issue. And, you know, the other thing that you want to look at is um, 
okay, they can put their two tight ends on the field. They can put Sanders in the slot and they can put Boston Scott back, you know, or Howard could be back and he could be back there and teams will go heavy. The, the issue is, you know, the Seattle Seahawks go heavy more than pretty much any other team does. And that's kind of their base personnel where it's really nobody else's base. And like I talked about, they just got digs going. So um, they, they're defending the deep ball as well. You look at the Eagles. It's like, there's nobody on this team that can run deep. Miles Sanders is their best deep ball threat because he's the only skill player on this team that you can trust. Like I said, beside Ertz, who, you know, everybody keys in on Ertz. Um, and then Sanders is the only guy you can trust. And they get away from Sanders. And, you know, their offense, is just, it's just not good right now. It's not flowing whatsoever. Um, and, you know, Nelson Aguilar is just, you know, having all the issues in the world. Um, and, you know, it just seems like ever since they won that Super Bowl, you know, Doug Peterson writes his book. And um, Howie Roseman's at every conference, you know, talking about how he did it. And, you know, everyone just keeps praising him and praising him. It's like, you need to show us here. And I know I said that last year and then they made the playoffs with Nick Foles. But, you know, Nick Foles isn't coming to save you. So this is a spot where, you know, if they lose, their season's probably over um, because, you know, well, Dallas is probably going to lose to the Patriots. But nonetheless, if they lose, it's like a really bad spot. If they win, they're in the driver's seat right again. So I keep thinking, you know – this is this is just what Philly does. This is what they did last year. I feel like in this spot they could get right back in the driver's seat with a win. So I would trust Philly to win this game. But like I said, there's all these underlying issues in terms of this like offense as a whole and just a lot of like finger pointing, a lot of front office stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles um, work this one out. I do think they're going to win this game, but um, I don't know if I can bet on it. Yeah, Parks. Looking at the only four oh five game here, the four and six Jacksonville Jaguars travel to the Tennessee Titans, who are five and five. For the Jaguars, Parks looking at did not participate. Seth Le- uh, Deval with his oblique um, full participation after limited yesterday was DJ Chark, Chris Conley, and DJ Hayden. So that's good for them. D.D. Westbrook did not practice today um, because of an illness. Um, limited in both days, Clays Campbell and Brandon Linder. Full participation for Ronnie Harrison and Cam Robinson. Over on the Titans side, all 53 players on the active roster practice for Tennessee today. Chris Milton and Delaney Walker were the only two that were limited. Parks looking at the line in this one. Opened at Titans minus two and a half. Has been actually ticked up to three. Um, the opener of 41 for the t- Total has been bet up to 41 and a half and 42 in some spots. Parks, how do you see this one going? I think this is a huge game for Nick Foles. I think that, you know, he was hurt, obviously, and then he came back, and his first game back was against Frank Reich, who, you know, just speaking of where are the Eagles' issues, you know, you're starting to look around and say, okay, Frank Reich, you know, ever since he left, the Eagles haven't been able to necessarily get it together. And all of a sudden, the Colts have gotten it together. And who did Frank Reich just beat? You know, John Filippo and Nick Foles. So, you know, was it Doug Peterson? Was it Nick Foles? Was it John Filippo? You know, who had the magic? Maybe it was Frank Reich. You know, you're starting to, you know, think about that. So, okay, that wasn't a good spot for Foles to have his first start, you know, off of his shoulder injury. Considering not the defense wasn't a good matchup, um, like I said, the familiarity was not a good matchup. None of this was a good matchup. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So in this situation, he needs to bounce back because, okay, if he's 0-3 as a starter, and okay, he got hurt against the Chiefs early on in that game. Nonetheless, if he's 0-3 as a starter and the Jaguars are sitting at uh, – what you know, they would have been four and four with uh, Minshew and their zero and three with with Nick Foles. Like you really have to start looking and saying, you know, what kind of decision did we make? And you know, at what point do we have to get out of this contract of Nick Foles and start the sixth round pick because he's going to save us a lot of money and we can actually build up our roster with Minshew? You know, at what point do you have to look at that? If Foles struggles on 
in a divisional game that means so much to them. I mean, their season's over. If they lose this game, they're right in the division. If they win this game, you really have to start looking at Nick Foles. So I think Foles will honestly have a good game because I think Filippo puts him in a good position to win. I think without the familiarity of Reich, I think they're going to get on the same page. The thing that you noticed was that DJ Chark still had a big game. What what makes that important is that um, Minshew and Chark showed that they had a development, but Foles and Chark never really, you know, progress together now you're starting to say okay dj chark might just be you know a very good receiver who's even better than um i you know kind of thought i thought i think i had like a second round grade on him but nonetheless you know you're really seeing that you know there was no quarterback at lsu they're running that crazy offense chark looks like he's the real deal because the other thing was indianapolis doesn't give up explosive passes you know they keep everything in front of them better than really any team in the nfl but chark was able to get behind them twice um you know one of them was garbage time big time but nonetheless you have to like the fact that they established chemistry and then you look and say um logan ryan will be in the slot you know adori is probably too small for charker you know if adori is on him it's not going to be good and then the backup to uh I think it's LaShawn Sims will be the other one. I think Chark could have a big game in this situation. I think Logan Ryan will uh, get Dee, Dee Westbrook. So I like Chark over him. Um, I think, you know, they're going to obviously try and run the ball with Fournette. But I think the thing is Fournette will get enough receptions in the passing game that he'll work out. And Josh Oliver got injured. So he's not even, you know, uh, his rookie year is just a complete waste for the Jags. That's unfortunate for sure. But nonetheless, I mean, I think Foles could have a bounce back. And I think Chark's the big um, beneficiary of that. Uh, then you look to the other side. I mean... Henry will be able to run the football on the Jags. You know, the Jags are giving it up big time in the run. The question is that Tannehill in these last couple games hasn't necessarily faced the pressure similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars, or when he did face the pressure similar to Jacksonville Jaguars, he got blown out by the Carolina Panthers, who, you know, were starting Kyle Allen. So, okay, Tannehill's look good. Tannehill's look good. He's better than Mariota. I'm not disputing that at this point. But how good is that? You know, is that really good enough to where, like I said, when you play pressure teams like Carolina, when you play a team that gets pressure on you like the Jacksonville Jaguars, is that going to be an issue? You know, like I said, Taylor Luan, Taylor Luan leads the league in penalties and all that, and he said he's going to make up for it. Said he's going to make up for it, but he's it's a tough draw for him. So I lean to the Jaguars. You know, winning the game and getting right. I don't love Nick Foles, so I just I'm not betting on it. It's just you look at the way that the way that this pass offense work with Minshew. Like Minshew wins this game, in my opinion. Because he could throw the ball on these weak cornerbacks of Tennessee, and I don't think Tannehill will be able to throw the ball well enough. I think that Tennessee will be able to run the ball well enough that if Nick Foles takes sacks and if he turns the football over, Tennessee's going to beat you. And then, like I said, now you're staring down the barrel of we're 0-3 with our quote-unquote franchise quarterback, and our rookie six-round pick has won at legitimate NFL games. That That's a tough spot to be in. So I lean towards Foles getting it done, but I don't trust Foles enough to where I think he's going to win it. I think it's going to be like a 21-20 type of game because I don't think – I think this is a game where Tannehill – I don't think reality sets in on him because um, I don't I don't trust the Jaguars' back end too, too much, but I think the pressure will force him into a turnover or two or a sack and a you – know, Know, a, an important situation to where it'll end a drive and maybe give the Jaguars a chance. So I don't really like this game altogether, but I lean to the Jags. Yeah, Parson, looking at the 425 game here, uh, Dallas Cowboys 6-4, and four, travel 2-9-1, and nine and one. New England Patriots for the Cowboys. Linebacker Joe Thomas missed a second straight practice to the flu. Uh, today, Donovan Wilson also absent with illness. Right tackle Lyle Collins, the only other player absent. Amari Cooper and Jeff Heath were full participants for the second straight 
straight day. Um, so it's looking like they're not the Pats aren't going to face a f- healthy, a fully healthy Cowboys O line here. Um, Patriots Thursday injury report: Sanu still uh, did not practice. Dorsett making progress, but he still needs to clear um, concussion protocol. Parks also limited in that practice were Patrick Chung, Julian Edelman, Damian Harris, John Simon. Um, so some of those guys are probably going to play, but again, check back because that is a later one on Sunday Parks. The line opened at Patriots minus seven. Um, has been bet down to six and a half in all spots. Total of 47 has been bet down to 45 and a half, even 45 in others. Um, this is going to be a good one, Parks. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, definitely a game I'll probably be watching more than betting on, but I think if you had to bet, you honestly, as crazy as it sounds, have to lay with the Patriots, you know, just thinking that their offense is messed up, and that's why I don't think I have to, you know, that's why I don't think I'm going to bet on it. You know, okay, they may get Isaiah Wynn back at left tackle, and I think that would just be, you know, absolutely huge. But, you know, Karras, their center, struggling. Um, Their guard play has been okay, but really, you know, their left tackle has been an issue. So they may get him back. You, I don't, Sanu's definitely not going to play. Dorsett has a chance to play, in my opinion, but I don't think he's going to play. Nikhil Harry, there's a chance, you know, obviously he's a first round pick. Um, My question is, you know, can him and Brady get on the same page? And if he gets um, Byron uh, Jones and all that, you know, can he get actual separation if Jones presses him? Because the biggest thing with Harry was he can run after the catch. And if they got him in the slot and got the football to his hands quickly, that he could run after the catch and play well. But he can't beat press coverage, especially if all of a sudden he gets shoved in as a number one receiver. And then you got Jacoby Myers, who, you know, has had some uh, rapport with Tom Brady. But nonetheless, you know, he's a UDFA rookie who, you know, kind of hit a wall and they, you know, they invested in Sanu over him. You know, they went and got guys. They went and got AB. And I mean, all of a sudden they're talking, um, it's getting floated around Boston radio that uh, the Patriots are starting to, you know, Tom Brady liked his Instagram post and Bill Belichick said something in his press conference. You know, they're kicking the tires, and you know, trying to figure out if they can sign him and all this. I mean, they're starting to get desperate at receiver. Um, but you look, you know, I've, I've said it for a while that Dallas is, their defense is overrated. It just is at this point. So, I think that, you know, New England is going to, they're going to try and run the football. Sonny's also struggling big time. And you're wondering why Damian Harris, you know, they drafted Damian Harris, what, third round, sixth, you know, sixth, uh, sixth running back overall. Like, where the heck is Damian Harris and how can he not get going? And, you know, can Belichick get anything out of, you know, uh, what his last rookie draft class, he, or you know, two draft classes ago, he went Win, who hasn't played at all, Sonny, who's struggling big time in the first round. Then he went to Kill Harry, who, like I said, maybe gets his first start this week. And then, you know, like I said, in the second rounder, you know, his next pick, he goes Damian Harris. So they can't get any of their offensive skill players that they drafted with premium picks on the field. So it's going to be interesting, but where the Cowboys can get beat is with the quick passes to James White and Rex Burkhead and Brady getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So I think at home against an overrated defense where everybody's saying, oh, you know, what's wrong with Brady? What's wrong with Brady? I think he gets the ball out of his hands quickly and lets um, James White, I think, have the best game of them all. But like I said, I think there's enough questions that you're, you're seriously questioning, you know, can the Patriots blow out the Cowboys what you know the biggest thing that I you know stay away from the Cowboys is you know you got Jason Garrett against Bill Belichick I don't care who Jason Garrett's assistants are or whatever um, that's a tough one especially when he's on the road especially when he has to make key decisions and Bill Belichick's going to force him to make key decisions um, a huge huge game the reason you want to watch this is for one Dak Prescott you know Prescott's playing 
easily his best season by far. You know, playing for a huge contract. Everybody's, you know, the lights are all on him. I've talked about the impact of Amari Cooper. Well, Amari Cooper against the Detroit Lions, I don't think enough people are saying he barely played against the Lions. He played like half the game against the Lions. And um he he went to Gallup and went to Gallup and went to Gallup and he went to um Cobb for a big pass and you know was checking stuff at the line and Tony Pollard's catching a big pass and you know things like that. And all of a sudden you're saying that was Dak Prescott's best game because he did it without Amari Cooper for the most part. Cooper had his his work and everything, but the thing is, okay, Cooper sits out a few snaps against the um, Detroit Lions. Like you said, now he's fully participating in practice. So this is a huge game for Dak Prescott because he's going to have all his weapons healthy and the New England defense is, you know, the best in the NFL and everything, but who have they played that's necessarily mattered? They haven't played any good quarterbacks. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback and he struggled, but, you know, Baker Mayfield's not all that great. And then um, what's his name played against them? And, you know, Carson Wentz played against them and he didn't, you know, he played poorly. But like I said, maybe it's the win. Maybe it's all these issues in terms of they don't have receivers on the um, Philadelphia Eagles. So Dak is arguably, you know, I think at this point it's clear to say that he's better than Wentz. He's playing better than Wentz at this point. He has Amari Cooper, a better option than Wentz. Michael Gallup is a legitimate receiver. You know, you're starting to look at that draft class from last year and these receivers, whether it be Gallup, Cortland Sutton, you know, guys we were high on are coming into their own as their second season. So, like, he can throw the football or he should be able to throw the football. It sounds like from the reports I'm hearing and all the speculation that they would put Gilmore on Gallup to try to shut down Gallup completely and then shift all their coverage to Cooper so that Cooper doesn't burn them with the deep passes. So it's going to be interesting. And then, I mean, you look and say, um, I think this is an indictment on Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, Randall Cobb looked like he was falling apart and he looks rejuvenated with Dak Prescott. Like looks like a much better quarterback with Prescott. You know, is Prescott playing better than Aaron Rodgers? We're going to see against this New England Patriots team because he's beat the bad defenses, but he needs to beat a really good defense. And the Patriots have beat the bad quarterbacks, but they need to beat a good quarterback. So, uh, you know, I'm just fascinated to see. Like I said, I think at the at the end of the day, you look in um, the Patriots laying under seven at home since 2001 is hitting at like 68, 60, 69%. Like you, if, if the Patriots are laying over a touchdown, then they don't cover as much. But if they're laying under a touchdown, they typically cover at home. It's hard to go against that. And it's hard to say, like I said, Jason Garrett against Bill Belichick is where you just like full stop and you say – I can't take as you know. I can't take those points as much as I want to see Dak in this situation. Um, also, they need to run the football heavily. You know, I want to see Dak in this situation, but the Patriots have a clear defined weakness in terms of their run defense. To where you know Nick Chubb had a huge game. Okay, Lamar was a different you know beast altogether. But like I said, Miles Sanders had a great first drive, and the Eagles just play calling got bizarre. So I think that Zeke can have a good um the other thing is you know Zeke looks a little bit like like he got the money and started you know going out to dinner and all that stuff and you know I don't speculate all that much but it seems like yeah Zeke like if Zeke has a bad game here you're starting to say you know Zeke did you just get your check and you know now all of a sudden you're having a good time so um and you know Tony Pollard's just waiting in the wings so interesting to see you know they gave all that money to Zeke but uh yeah I said 20 to 13 New England just the fact that I think they're going to get the job done but I think it is going to be an uglier game than anticipated but I think it'll be a great game in, in my opinion because of all the uh, back and forth and all the everything on the line that game. Sunday night parks another good one here. Green Bay Packers at eight and two travel to the nine and one San Francisco 49ers for the Packers. Looks like Mercedes Lewis is taking a veteran rest day. Everybody else is practicing, um, so that would be limited for Devonta Adams, Bulaga, Jimmy Graham. Um, Cole Madison, Danny Vettel, and Tremont Williams, but a lot of those guys are expected to just be getting veteran rest days, so they are pretty healthy on their 53-man roster coming off their bye. Um, For the Niners here, 
Debo and Kittle both practiced today. Um, the athletic writer for the Niners said, I'm no doctor or trainer here, but I'll play one here on Twitter. George Kittle looks capable of returning knee ankle injury and playing Sunday versus Packers. Ditto for Samuel Sanders, Brita, and Ford. So take that for what it's worth. Parks line opened at minus three and a half in favor of the Niners. Has been ticked down to three across the board. Total of 44 has been bumped up to 47 and a half, even 48 in some spots. Parks, how do you see this one going? Should be a good one. Yeah, and I really like San Francisco. And, you know, I've been waiting for the Kittle confirmation because I know how valuable he is to this offense. But I saw that video of him running. He looks pretty good. Yeah, like I'm really starting to think. And I'm thinking, you know, now how much do I want to put on San Francisco? Because I just flat out think San Francisco is the better team. Um, You know, the issue is that against Seattle, they had all those injuries. And, you know, Staley still banged up and their defensive line doesn't have nearly as much um depth as it once had but I think the offense despite the fact that Staley's going to be out could really come together in this spot I think the you know the Packers defense in my opinion has been overrated over the last couple of weeks um you know they got by on the fact that they beat Derek Carr where like I talked about well really they beat the um they beat the Detroit Lions where the Detroit Lions were up by 10 that whole entire game and they gave them two penalties and they beat them they beat Derek Carr where Carr fumbled the ball out of the end zone and really ruined a chance where they could have got up on the Packers they beat Matt Moore then they got blown out by the Chargers, and then um, they, you know, gave up. Kyle Allen was on the doorstep of, you know, potentially coming up, um, coming to an off upset of them, and so they get the bye week, and now they travel to the West Coast, where, like I just mentioned, last time they went to the West Coast, they lost to the Chargers, um, and it was a really sloppy start for them. And Aaron Rodgers was talking about all oh, the travel plans, this and this and this, but nonetheless, I'm going to be interested to see how Matt Lafleur, who, like I talked about, um, Kyle Shanahan knows. More, I think Kyle Shanahan knows more about Matt LaFleur than Matt LaFleur knows about Kyle Shanahan, you know? So um, LaFleur had the extra time to prepare, but I still think Shanahan in this spot, it's like little brother versus big brother. You know, LaFleur was uh, Matt Ryan's quarterback coach whenever Matt Ryan was the MVP and went to the Super Bowl and all that. And LaFleur was on the Texans when Matt Schaub and all them were. Uh, with you know, whenever Andre Johnson and Arian Foster, when they were having their success, Lafleur was with Shanahan there and there. So you know, Shanahan kind of brought this young dude up the ranks. So he's going to be on the road in San Francisco in a big spot. Lafleur has always um, come up with good game plans, and then throughout the game, he's kind of struggled and you know to kind of get through and everything. So I want to see that game plan against Kyle Shanahan. Potentially knows what he's going to be running in some regard. So I'm interested to see that. And like I talked about, you know, Randall Cobb has had a much better you know time with. Um, with Dak Prescott than Aaron Rodgers seems like Aaron Rodgers um you know he can he's been more of a game manager so far this season he obviously has that you know against Kansas City like he just went off and had those you know thriller plays but those thriller plays only come you know so far between and everything like that so interested to see how he'll do in this situation considering San Francisco has the best pass rush the issue with that is D Ford's not going to be in this game Ronald Blair's not going to be in this game and um what's his name DJ Jones isn't going to be in this game so all the depth from San Francisco is soaked out of them, but you still have to look at it. And you say Solomon Thomas, first round pick, Eric Armstead, first round pick, DeForest Buckner, first round pick, you know, top five pick, D- D- uh, Joey Bosa or wh- whatever Bosa, top three pick. You know, you still have to say, okay, the depth has been sapped out, and D Ford is a huge impact player, but this pass rush on primetime should be able to get after Aaron Rodgers to where Aaron Rodgers is in his check down ways. LaFleur wants to run the football. I think Aaron Jones will have a decent game in this spot because um, they're really struggling with the misdirection of running running back passes and without Quan Alexander in there a little bit struggling in their back end. But nonetheless, I think that 
like I said, I think Shanahan will have a lot of LaFleur's counters. And I think that as fast, I don't know how fast LaFleur can start. I think Shanahan can start fast because you look at the Packers defense. I think they're struggling so far. Um, and their biggest weakness that I, it's been their weakness since like week two or three of the NFL season is, um, teams that just stack up and run the ball straight at them. They have serious issues against that. Um, you know, they still don't necessarily – they traded for uh, – what's his name? B.J. Goodson. But they still don't really have a linebacker. Blake uh, Martinez, you know, issues in the run game. Um, Kenny Clark really helps in the running game, and he could have a decent game because they're going to just run straight at him. But I think San Francisco, you know, you look at them, and like I said, everyone got hurt against Sam, uh, Seattle on Monday Night Football. I talked about how I really liked uh, Arizona in that game. Arizona goes up 16 to nothing. San Francisco battles all the way back. I know there's no reason they should have covered or whatever what the spread was, but they got that last-second field goal or touchdown, and everybody's looking at you know San Francisco and kind of looking the other way and saying, you know, I don't like what I see there, but I'm telling you that Debo Samuel broke out in those last two games, and now Debo Samuel's like, he's a serious player, and he's a serious threat after the catch, and he's like invested in the Shanahan offense, and like the Shanahan offense, it's like defined now their roles, so Debo's in his role, um, Emmanuel Sanders, it looks like he's going to be healthy, and it looks like everything's good for him, so like he's back, Debo has stepped up, George Kittle, if George Kittle's back, like he's the straw that serves the whole drink, because he's so versatile in that, now he's a huge slot player, now he's the best blocking tight end in the NFL, now he's a full back you know but use check is back so they went what the whole time kittle was going off use check wasn't back so they got use check back to where you know use check kittle just pound straight at the green bay packers i got debo on one side i got a sanders on the other side quick passes to them you look at the packers defense and i just don't think that they can be able to stop them i think that sam fran's gonna run all over them i think that debo and sanders are gonna have a good enough game i think kittle as long as kittle's back i think he's gonna have a great game like i said i think I just don't see how uh, Green Bay and San Francisco on the same field are, you know, even teams at this point. So I give a huge edge to Kyle Shanahan. I have a 31-17 San Fran. As long as all those players, as long as Sanders, um, Sanders, Kittle, and Debo are all healthy, I think their offense is going to have a big day. Yeah, Parks, last one for you here. Monday night, 8-15 Eastern. Baltimore Ravens 8-2 travel out to L.A. to face the 6-4 Rams. For the Ravens here, Five Ravens not practicing. Ronnie Stanley, Marshall Yana, Jamie Smith, Brandon Carr, Earl Thomas. Quite a few of those guys probably just getting vet days. Uh, defensive lineman Michael Pierce is practicing for the Rams parks. Let me pull this up. Malcolm Brown wasn't in attendance for Thursday's practice while he awaits the birth of his child. So he should play, but you never can be too certain with that. Coach Sean McVay said that Robert Woods with um, his rejoined the team were, will participate in Thursday's practice, uh, first practice of week 12. So he's expected to play. Um, Brandon Cooks is on pace to return as well, Parks. I got nothing else for you in that game except looking at the opening line here was Rams minus three. Um, that has actually been flipped to Ravens minus three, even up to three and a half. Um, we're looking at a total parks. 48 and a half has been moved down to 46 and a half across the board. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, the power of Lamar Jackson. He's just going off in all these spots. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does because the Rams actually are built pretty well to defend him in the fact that they don't put many linebackers on the field. So it's similar to the defense of the Chargers last year when he played them in the playoffs and they had all those safeties on the field. And that was tough for him to kind of escape in the running game. And all of a sudden you saw a rookie 
you know, passer in the playoffs and everyone kind of wrote his career off because every rookie is supposed to dominate in the playoffs, right? <laughs> but Lamar Jackson didn't, so he's a bust. So, you know, but I still think that they're going to force Lamar Jackson to pass in this game. Uh, you know, Marquis Christian and Taylor Rapp, they're two safeties that basically play linebacker and um, they're just going to spy Lamar and force him to stay in the box. So it's a good spot, especially considering, okay, well, putting that thin group in spying Lamar in that manner on the edges and everything like that, that frees up the, uh, that frees up the middle. Oh, Aaron Donald's right there up the middle. You know, <laughs> do you really, how often do you want to just run straight up the gut at him? You know, so it's going to be an interesting spot. And then you, know, you keep going back to Lamar consistently gets this done despite the fact that he doesn't have these receivers, you know, Hollywood Brown still plays like, you know, 20 snaps a game and, you know, he checks in, catches a 50 yard bomb, goes to the sideline for a quarter, checks back in, you know, it's like crazy, but they consistently, you know, they're rotating him in and just figuring it out in some regard, you know, Mark Andrews, he's just a slot receiver. You know, he's a big slot receiver who can post up smaller slot cornerbacks and everything like that. So he's a pretty good situation in the fact that he'll get Roby Coleman for the most part, you know, cause then, I mean, Ramsey and what's his name on the outside, you know, okay, they'll shut people out, but Lamar will find his way. And it's so hard to bet against Lamar, but you can see how what's her name's defense, the Rams, of all these teams, you know, the Steelers, because they have Devin Bush, you know, I've talked about like they're that was the smartest draft pick you could possibly make because of Lamar Jackson. The same thing with the Rams getting all these safeties. Like that's if you want to do it, this is how you have to do it. It's gonna be interesting to see, you know, if they can in this situation. You look at the Rams and okay, Jared Goff is just awful under pressure. And, you know, the Steelers bring it, he's terrible. The Niners bring it, he's terrible. Um, what's her name is the Bears bring it, he's terrible, right? You look at the Ravens and say, This is they're so interesting in that they don't get pressure. And you're starting to learn that okay, their defense is balling out right now because they just shut it down on the back end. And I've talked about it, you know, countless times how the ripple effect of Marcus Peters has really shuffled, you know, put everyone into the right spot in that secondary. And what they do is they mix blitzes so well that like, especially that game against Deshaun Watson was super impressive. And I mean, you have to look and say that PI was complete bullcrap to, you know, Hopkins and probably changes that whole entire game. If the Ray, if the, what's the Texans get up 10, nothing, right. You know, so you have to say that's, that's like absolutely crap. And that's just the stupidest thing in the entire world. But you also have to look at that play or the game plan of that, the Ravens and say that the way that they like, they time blitzes and they like hesitated blitzes and they, you know, simulate blitzes and everything like that to where Watson doesn't know, not only does he not know where it's coming from, he doesn't know when it's coming because, you know, you're taking your time and you're stunting and they're, you know, mixing it all around. So it's coming in like waves to where, you know, okay, I have my pass rush, but you always say this coverage can only last for so long because, you know, eventually they're going to get tired on the back end. The, the pass rush has to come at some point. So what he does is he goes, you know, here's my first infiltrate of pass rushers. Okay, the coverage is held up. Here comes the second wave of guys. And like, that's usually the wave of guys that gets him because, you know, it's hard to, you know, account for that. So that's how he gets pressure. The thing is, if Goff gets the football out of his hands, that's, you know, it's a different form of pressure that Goff, Goff usually struggles under instantaneous pressure. You know, not this like, you know, like when Watson stands back there and stands back there and stands back there, that's how you get Watson. That's not how you get Goff, you know? So I think Goff could potentially play better. The issue is that, you know, Marlon Humphrey will be on Cooper Cup. That's a good spot. You know, that's why they stuck Humphrey in the slot these past couple weeks for guys like Cooper Cup. Um, you know, good situation there. Um, Cooks will be on, what's his name? Um, probably uh, Jimmy Smith because Smith, I don't know, because Smith does 
Smith is the better cornerback, but doesn't have the better deep speed. I just think that Cooks would burn Marcus Peters. Um, he would just get him looking in the backfield. Whereas Woods, Woods is missing for personal reasons, but it sounds like he's going to play. It sounds, and I think Woods would be, I think Jimmy Smith would shut down Woods, but I think Peters is a better matchup for Woods. So nonetheless, you know, you look and say, okay, Goff could have success, but in the back end, that's like not great. And you look at Earl Thomas and you know that Earl Thomas has had success against Jared Goff. And, you know, it's hard to say that Goff at home in this spot is, you know, going to get right. You look at the offense line. They ran the ball well against the Bears, but teams run the ball well against the Bears, and they still, you know, they're banged up, but I think the thing that you noted is that McVay is going to lean on the run game now, and he's going to look to Todd Gurley, who, you know, hey, if he looks healthy and and whatnot, they're going to look to run the football with him heavily, and it's going to keep Lamar off the field. It's going to keep them in the game, but I I still have a hard time betting on the Rams here. I just don't like what I've seen them do offensively enough to bet on them, and I like all the innovative stuff the Ravens are doing, so all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting here saying that McVay is going to get out of scheme, but I mean, in some ways, I just I think honestly, it just comes down to Lamar will just make a play, whereas Goff won't. But you know, in some ways, I do think you know the Ravens kind of have them in a, a tough spot here. All right, Parks, that's going to do it for Week Twelve. Unless you have anything to add, uh, teams on by Cardinals, Chiefs, Chargers, and Vikings. Probably should have mentioned that at the beginning, but I just remembered. Um, again, if you guys don't already follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore Podcast, be sure to do that. We'll tweet out um, anything that we're on this week in terms of bets but we will be back on monday for a recap of that week 12 so you guys have a nice weekend